Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Studstill Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Mera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Keith Gasper, Dave Jack, Jackson, Eric Guess, Kayla Jackson, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, Ryan Player One, and Mike the Rep from Backbreaker Gaming. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. Gamers, welcome to the podcast where we readily rage reading rising ratings returning revengeance. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host, Chris Copleen, with special guest, Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog. And, as always, your host, Shane. Sombrero Dick Dragon! Kotsky. Adios, muchachos. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me why I skip the, <laughs> press the 15 second skip every time I start listening to your episodes. <laughs> that's a, that's, uh, assuming we leave that in, that's a, that's a fantastic sales pitch for the show. That's great. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. I'm, I'm glad you're here. You're hey, like, I listened to I the rest of it. how much this shit sucks for the first, like, <laughs> 20 seconds. To be fair, I listened to the rest of the episode, just to that, that one little 15-second snippet I skip. <laughs> yeah. I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible promoter of my own show. But welcome to that show that you're listening to right now. Thank you for listening to this show. Uh, we are doing an episode on Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, which you probably already knew because you pressed the play button and it's in the title. And there's probably a nice little picture showing something related to the game. But welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the show, Adam. And Shane, how are yes. you doing? Um, I'm, I'm out of my... I'm like Donnie. I am out of my element. I'm like a child that wanders into a theater. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm recording in a different space now with a completely different setup. So th this is either going to go really well or the people at home are not going to hear this because the audio will get lost to time. I, don't, I could, could go either way. Yes. One of those possibilities is definitely going to happen. I have a mm -hmm. good feeling. I'm willing yeah. to bet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Adam, I, I was looking through our backlog. I'm like, surely mm. Adam has been on one of our main episodes recently. I was, I was digging through it. And I, I was looking through it, and I found out the last time you were on a main episode of ours was near. Uh-huh. <laughs> which wow. was like two years ago. 
<laughs> I know. And I just never got invited back because I sucked so bad. <laughs> it's an open invitation, you twat. <laughs> hey, look. Well, all right. Was, I'm busy man. so wrapped up in, you know, all the all the good King of Games content. That's what it was. That's, that's, that's what Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how could I be a part of that, like, legendary quality um, after hearing how good King of Games is? What? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. No, actually, truthfully, it's because I thought you guys had a restraining order on me. So I was like, oh, better keep my distance for a while. But I'm glad to be back. I mean, listen, yeah. if our if our Twitch, or should I say lack of Twitch affiliate status gives you any indication, we're generally too lazy to do any of that. And given yeah. that you are <laughs> on the opposite side of the globe, we just figure that it's... It's like Linux. It's like security through obscurity. You know, like <laughs> we're far enough away that I don't think we have too much to worry about. True. And the last time I saw you, I actually took a locket of your hair without you noticing. So oh, you know, I'm so satisfied that's for a while. Why I'm getting all of those weird, sharp pains. That makes sense. Yes. Voodoo doll. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I guess that makes me a terrible partner too, because if we had a restraining order on you, I've been on your show like three or four times since then. <laughs> True. So I'm like one of those creepy partners that like they, they file that and then they come over for, you know, that, that afternoon delight or whatever mm. the case might be yeah, just good, to get good. that sweet, sweet loving. Mm -hmm. And then when you come over to their place, they're like, get away from me and call the cops. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a secret thing. No one was supposed to know about that. I just released I those without your permission. So you were, you were just a booty call, Adam. Ah, but now now life. we're making it right. We're making it right. We're making it right. <laughs> Good. Thanks. Um, yeah, pleasure to be back. Thank you very much for having me. And um, apologies if my voice is a little raspy, but I have uh, I may still be drunk, but I am currently hungover. So perfect. Yeah, I mean retro hangover. Perfect, right? Yeah. So it's it's appropriate. You prepared. We should start making that mandatory for all of our guests. Oh. Uh, my last You're a uh, actually, I have an episode that just came out or will be coming out at the time of recording where I am legitimately drunk. So <laughs> that's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> Very awkward. I feel like I feel like we're at an age now that I, I just I don't think I can do that. I don't think I could do it anymore. Like when we started this thing, we were that's like that was part of the whole deal, right? And we've the had people premise. bring this up before too, where they're just like, yeah. you know, for a show called Retro Hangover, you sure don't have a lot of beer. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it started that way, and then and then I got old, and I don't I don't like feeling crappy later. So yeah, I like I, I like feel that carbonated water now. That's that's where I am in my life. I also like carbonated water, but I call it Coors. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, light, 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 lightly fizzed. Yes, I mean at least I try to hold up my end of the bargain. I'm usually pretty buzzed in this recording. <laughs> oh, well, Jesus! As long as as long as you're holding that up for us, I do my best. I do my best, and I just take a whole shitload of ketamine. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I, Is that a horse tranquilizer? <laughs> Man, I, I am looking forward to the day when I'm out of the military for various reasons. But one of them is I'm going to come on one of these episodes one day and be completely blitzed. And this <laughs> would have been the episode for it. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's this close. By the way, uh, before we get into what we've been playing lately, because we've been bantering and waffling a long time here. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a Patreon poll episode. It was recommended by Randil. Uh, Randall makes Randall fantastic. Quiggle. Yes. 
makes Ron fantastic ro- recommendations. <laughs> so, Rand Doyle, we are very happy <laughs> that you made the recommendation Ron for Metal Doyle Gear rules. Rising <laughs> because a, a lot of other patrons also wanted it. So, thank you, Randall. We we look forward to more of your recommendations, and thank you for being a patron at the HD level, which is fantastic. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thanks, Randolph Randall. The gray. But let's get into what we are want to do on this podcast before we get into the main topic, and that is what game have we been playing lately? So, Adam, you are our guest. It's been too long since you've been here. Gotta ask, what have you been playing lately? Ah, oh, good question, Christopher. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, God, what have I been playing lately? So I think I played, well, obviously I played this game. I've been playing a little bit of Alan Wake for an upcoming episode of ours. But other than that, just for myself, I very stupidly, while I was very busy, decided that I needed a game to distract myself from the stress of working life. Mm. And I picked up Slay the Spire again. And that... Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a, a couple of very sleepless nights where I was literally like just like sitting in bed playing until 2 a.m. And I was like, fuck, this is a mistake. This is this is a very bad mistake for this time of my life. So I had to drop that like uh, actually the last time I dropped it was because I was too addicted that it was affecting my waking life. So dropped that. Then I picked up Disgaea 5 on Switch because I had played that like oh, three or four years ago and I uh, hadn't touched it since then. So I continued my save where apparently I've already done 40 hours, but I don't remember a single thing. So I'm just going through Disgaea. I love Disgaea. That, yeah. That's a fantastic little series. It, they don't take themselves seriously at all, and that makes it so special. Yeah, I just love me some tactical strategy, turn-based RPG goodness. Oh, yeah. it's Oh, it's so good. How about yourself, Shane? What have you been playing lately? You know, I, I would like to pretend that I have something really interesting to say here, but I, oh. I, I kind of, I kind of don't. Um, oh. uh, other than playing the the game du jour, I've oh. really just been filling in small pockets of time with like mobile gaming uh, as I can. Still playing Necro Merger. The wife and I have been playing that one for like years now. So that's. That's always a good time. They just released a new update, actually, with some new stuff, which is cool. And still, still doing the 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 Honkai Star Rail thing, which is also just like bogarting so much space on my phone. That game takes up something like sixteen gigs on my phone, which is obnoxious. Um, I play it on PC also, so like, you know, I can I can do both, but I like having it on my phone so I can play on the go or sitting on the couch or whatever. And I, I have this first world problem of having to remove other things that I wanted to get to playing just so that I had enough space to download the last patch that just came out for Star Rail like a couple of days ago. So yeah, so there's that. It's it's really just kind of those two. I've been plinking around with a couple other mobile games that I came across that are pretty decent quality. There's one that's like an idle game called Power Incorporated where you play as uh, like an energy tycoon in in like the, the 1920s and you build up like your your electric company empire. Kind of like Adventure Capitalist if anybody's familiar with that one. That's one of the more classic idle games I guess at this point. But it's made by a solo dev, and uh, and it's pretty good so far. So, 
can kind of just plinking around with that. And um, let's see. Honestly, I think that's kind of it. I'm 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 looking forward to actually having a little bit of of uh, bandwidth in my gaming life here shortly because the the next few episodes that we're going to be talking about are either very short games or games I am intimately familiar with. So I won't have to dedicate quite so much time to to trying to actually play through these to to talk about them in a somewhat semi-intelligent manner. But uh, that's kind of it for me right now. I don't know. What about you, man? What what what's Chris been up to lately? Well, I got done with Albert Odyssey for the Saturn, and I was like, I, I don't think I've had enough of mediocre RPGs. Mm. So, and working designs games for that matter, because when oh, I went great. from Potful Mail, I was like, yeah, working designs. Went to Albert Odyssey, learned learned about abonics, and then <laughs> went. <laughs> that screenshot is so fucking out of pocket. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so fucked up. I love it. And so I was like, I'm going to go to Cosmic Fantasy 2 because mm. I bought this game because I was like, I don't have any North American Turbo CD games, even though I have the ability to play them. I should probably try doing that because the East games are absurdly expensive and this game was not. And it's a working designs game. So this was about a year ago I purchased it. And I was finally like, oh, it's time to play it. And... I greatly regret that decision. <laughs> I think that the game is terrible. I completed it. I beat it. It got better at the end, which is like an inverse for most JRPGs, hmm. oddly. Uh, but it's... Oh, oh, oh. There were publications that gave that game the RPG of the year 1992. I want whatever... I don't want what they were smoking because they're probably snorting whatever they took. So, uh good on them. I'm if you do drugs you're 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 fine with me as long as you're not like totally dependent on them. You probably need help at that point, but if you're if you're doing drugs, all good. All good, but you probably should <laughs> Just not that, like be... uncomfortably real for a second there. I don't know. <laughs> what's, like, what's what about going meth? On? <laughs> yeah. What about we, meth? We here at RHP advocate <laughs> recreational drug use in all forms. <laughs> I'm just not hating on you. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You could do meth. You got enough you problems. Do heroin. You, don't, you don't need us to hate on you too. <laughs> but you probably shouldn't be reviewing video games while you're doing it. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know what I want is I want the payoff that those reviewers got from like working designs or something, but adjusted oh, for yeah. inflation. That's what uh, I want. <laughs> well, I looked at the RPGs in 1992 and it's pretty obvious why it won that because there's almost literally nothing else unless it was mm. on PC and who owned a PC in 1992? Yeah. Well, a gaming PC, like no one. Um, so it makes sense. Well, Mystic Quest, and everyone made fun of that one. I, I'm not going to go down that line. It's a bad game. And uh, I did a rapid fire review of that. So that will be coming for our patrons in the future. Yeah. Somewhere down the line. Like two years from now. <laughs> Possibly. Our backlog is just ridiculous. And uh, I also started playing because I feel obligated in so many ways. And this is one game I I haven't played like a game on day one in forever. But I, I, I put too much money into this one not to play it. And that is Sea of Stars. Uh, so I've been playing a little bit of Sea of Stars. I'm about three hours into that just because I haven't had a lot of time to play. I'm probably not going to have a lot of time to play it in in the foreseeable future, just because I have some things going on here in my personal life that's going to get in the way of that. Uh, good things, like not negative things. It's just my bro like hanging out with my brother is 
not negative, I would think. So I'm probably not going to be putting a ton of time into that, but I have been playing it. I think it's pretty good. I'm looking forward to the remainder of it. Also, uh, keep your ears attuned to the One Hour, One Decision podcast, One H1D podcast, because I did go on there to talk about Sea of Stars uh, with them, what, what I thought of the first hour. And if you're really, really big into this game, you might not like what I have to say. But yeah, head on over there and see what that's all about. But that's what I've had going on. Yeah, mediocrity and obligations towards my own terrible financial decisions. Well, <laughs> hopefully not terrible. But yeah, uh, I would yeah. I would also just like to take this opportunity to thank you for uh, sending me that Sea of Stars code that I I'm entered into Steam, and then it was like, "Congrats, you have the Sea of Stars soundtrack." And I'm like, "I hate myself for now." What the fuck? I hate myself. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I should have just redeemed the soundtrack because I, I I'm not going to get into it. I, I feel I, I feel really dumb. I feel really really dumb. But that's besides the point. Speaking of really dumb. We have a game with a with a really dumb plot Boy, do today. We, we do. Uh, the game, I don't think, is really dumb. I think we're going to have a really good discussion there about that. But uh, we do have Metal Gear Rising to talk about, Shane. We do. And you know what? What what better person to, to talk about dumb shit? I don't know where I'm going ah. with that one. But hey, you know what? Chris is going to give you a brief history <laughs> on Metal Gear Rising Revengeance because... That's a real word. Making a side game to a major franchise can be an exciting prospect, but the question usually boils down to, can it be anywhere near as good as the main series, or will it be some throwaway trash? This question was on the lips of many a Metal Gear Solid fan in 2009, shortly after the release of Metal Gear Solid 4, when Hideo Kojima hinted that a new game in the series would be coming out. While initially Kojima wanted to make a game that would feature the boss and her team, as featured in Metal Gear Solid 3, that idea was scrapped due to the fear that the staff on hand could not make it work. The focus would instead shift to Raiden prior to the events of Metal Gear Solid 4 and disclose the events which led to his transformation into a cyborg. The game was initially hinted at during GDC 2009 with it formally being announced at E3 the same year as Metal Gear Solid Rising. The signature tagline of tactical espionage action for the Metal Gear Solid series would be replaced with lightning bolt action, a play on Raiden's name in Japanese. It was initially announced only for the Xbox 360, although it was eventually revealed it would be coming to the PS3 and PC. Kojima, who had headed up the Metal Gear franchise in its entirety, had to take a back seat in its development as he was already buried in work for Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker for the PSP. Flash forward to 2010, and more footage was shown during that year's E3. The first immediate response was concern from Japanese audiences who noted that dismemberment of human beings, the game's core mechanic, 
may have to be censored due to cultural taboos. Ironically, the game's lead designer at the time, Mineshi Kimura, stated that the game would encourage players to not kill their opponents, instead rewarding them for disablement. It would also feature stealth, as the series was wont to do, but feature on speed and agility. However that was supposed to work out, we'll probably never know, as Kojima Productions couldn't figure out a way to adequately make a game around the game's proposed cutting mechanic. Metal Gear Rising, in the state that it was in, was cancelled in late 2010. However, the project was not completely dead, obviously, or else there wouldn't be an episode today. Soon after the cancellation, Hideo Kojima met up with Platinum Games' Atsushi Inaba. Inaba asked about the state of Rising, to which Kojima apparently offered him the chance to take the reins. Turnaround was quick, and now the newly titled Metal Gear Rising Revengeance had a trailer showing fresh gameplay footage at the Spike Game Awards on December 10, 2011. The game would now focus more on action, with all of the game's stealth elements being removed, before some were put back in later. The script would be completely rewritten as well in under two months, a stark contrast from the 10 months the original script commanded and take place after Metal Gear Solid 4 as opposed to before it. Human soldiers would also be removed to meet censorship demands in Japan. Finally, the lead platform would shift from the Xbox 360 to the PS3. Prepped with the demo that would be included in the Zone of the Enders HD collection, a clever nod to the original Zone of the Enders, the full game would release in North America for the PS3 and Xbox 360 on February 19th, 2013, with Europe and Japan receiving it two days later, with the Xbox 360 version not making it to the land of the rising sun. The game was very well reviewed, with Japanese gaming magazine Famitsu almost awarding it a perfect score with 39 out of 40, with most other mainstream publications giving it around an 80% in the aggregate overall. Many reviewers claimed that the game's action was nearly flawless, with some problems in the camera and combat depth. Critics also heavily praised the plot of the game, saying it was just as good as the main series. Sales were decent as well, with the game selling just north of 3 million units for all platforms. A sequel was discussed due to the game's success, with the provision by Hideo Kojima that Platinum Games had to develop it. There was a proposed sequel where Gray Fox would fight nanomachine zombies that was made by Kojima, but Platinum rejected it. By the time Platinum seemed interested in making the follow-up, Kojima had begun to have internal problems with Konami, halting any potential for a future project. Today, the game lives on via internet culture, via memes, specifically involving the game's antagonists. And that is your history of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. That brief history. And, you know, I have to wonder whether the the critics who claimed that the, the the story in this game is just as good as the mainline series, I can't figure out whether that's more of, like, just a complete misjudgment by them or some sort of, like, sideways critique of the mainline plot. <laughs> yes. 
Um, Adam, you've played Metal Gear Solid 4. I think that was on yes. the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that game's completely fucking bonkers and off the rails, too. Oh, yeah. So It's um, yeah. not as entertaining, though. <laughs> no, no, nowhere near. Yeah. But it's still bonkers and off the rails. So you can make some parallels, I think, in terms of being as good in terms of quality. Yeah, That might sure. be what they're referencing. Yeah. I mean, didn't you just say that um, Peace Walker was the game that came out before Metal Gear Rising? I, I like think the last so. Release? Yeah. Kojima was working on, on Rising at the same time that this was being developed, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I would say, without a shadow of a doubt, the story of Metal Gear Rising is like 10 times better than Peace Walker. So maybe okay, that's why sense. they're impressed. Like, it's a step up from the abysmal story of Peace Walker. That that sounds horrible because I remember like Peace Walker being received very, very, very well. And for you to say that, and I trust your judgment 100%. So, well, yikes. I mean, I mean, uh, maybe we can dovetail this into the whole thing about personal experiences because I, I mean, on my show, we are making our way through the Metal Gear Solid franchise by chronological release order. So, mm-hmm. Uh, we started with obviously Metal Gear Solid One. We skipped all the Metal Gear games and stuff, but we've played it in sequential order of release. And Peace Walker was the one that we had just finished before we played Metal Gear Rising, and it was actually one of my favorite to play, but one of my least favorite in terms of like story. So, yeah, that's. I mean, it's a good game. It just ain't that entertaining. I do think this is a great spot to point out that. Metal Gear Rising being right after Metal Gear Solid is completely coincidental on our part in terms of main episode releases because Metal Gear Solid was the last one. And uh, that was because we usually have a placeholder for our Patreon episodes and uh, just happened to fall there. But if you do want a good series, a, a really good series on the Metal Gear Solid franchise up to this point, yeah, go check out Good, the Bad, and the Backlog, which I would tell you to do anyway because they've they've covered all these games. You are right. That's a good segue into personal experiences. And because you've had pretty much an entire series on this, I'll let you speak last on this because it's probably the most informative out of the three of us. And I'll start out here with Shane. Shane, what's your personal experience with Metal Gear Rising? Man, I sure did play this game this week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you. I mean, that's it. I don't don't know what else to tell you. Like, we were just like, yeah, we're going to talk about this game because the, the patrons want it. And I was like... All right. I know nothing about this other than the one clip I saw on YouTube of that completely ridiculous and yet totally awesome boss fight. And I was like, I mean, I'm 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 in. I'm in for it. Like this this looks like a good time. Looks like a fun ride. I don't know anything about it, and I've never played a Metal Gear Solid game before uh, up until you know recently when we when we talked about the first one, mm-hmm. um, or at least the first. 3D one. Well, Metal Gear Solid. I guess I should. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that. Not Metal Gear. It's, it's a di- Metal different. Gear. Totally different. Yeah, yeah, right. Metal Gear. But uh, yeah. So that that's that's it. I I played this game. That there you go. I'm good at my job. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations. I, <I'll>, <laughs> thank you. I'll go next into this, and I don't know why I didn't play it until. I prepared for this episode because I was a massive, massive Metal Gear Solid fan. Well, at least the first one. And my my fandom kind of decreased 
over time with two and three. Two, and I know Adam's going to hate this and he'll probably curse me when it's his term to talk about this, but uh, two kind of pissed me off because I did not like Raiden and was not happy with the character swap. He's ro- We have video and he's rolling his eyes. So uh, just so <laughs> you can get a perspective what's going on right now. And then Metal Gear Solid 3, it was fine. It just didn't do it for me. Everyone says it's like the best in the series, but it was just for me, it was just eh. It was an okay game. It's a pretty good game. It was just and, a Tuesday. It was just a Tuesday, but yes, for me. But when I got to Metal Gear Solid 4, that came out as a PS3 exclusive, and at the time, Sony was completely up its own ass, so I got an Xbox 360, and it took me a while to get to the PS3, and when I got to the PS3, it took me a while to even get to Metal Gear Solid 4, I think. I didn't play it until like 2014, and that game came out, I think, in 2006. Well, it said 2009 here. I, I swear it came out before that. But when I when I looked at Metal Gear Rising, I thought that this game is just going to be ridiculous and over the top. And it was, but it was all in the right ways. I, I didn't know much about Platinum Games when this, when this game came out in 2013, which I should have because I had played Bayonetta. And it was developed by the same people. But... I don't know. Like, I, it was one of those games I was interested in, but always kept it at an arm's length. It was never anything I really got into. And this was also during a time I was playing modern games in a series that I liked. I don't know why I skipped it. So, like, my personal experience with it is, is that I'm happy I finally have an excuse to get to it. I, I didn't even own it, I don't think, until, you know, I found out that we had to play this game. So I am extremely happy that this is finally my library and I can finally say that this is behind me. Not in the sense that like now I never have to play it again, but that I've, I've actually had an opportunity to go get all the way through it and actually have something to, to say about it, have an opinion on it, a, a legitimate one other than, you know, the things I've been hearing. So, yeah, that's that's really all I have there. What about yourself, Adam? Well, first of all, Metal Gear Solid 2 is fantastic and so is Raiden. So... Uh, fuck you. Um, it's okay to have an opinion. <laughs> it's okay to have the correct opinion. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I hadn't really played many Metal Gear Solid games at all prior to doing my own show. And then that was kind of our opportunity to experience this franchise that had, you know, this massive amount of appeal for all these people that keep saying, ah, oh, Metal Gear Solid is amazing, Snake is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And like I had known of it, but I just didn't really know what it was about. And um, I think my most exposure to it before playing it for myself was when I was in high school, I had a sleepover with my friend who had a PS2 and Metal Gear Solid 2. And we played that for like an hour or something. And I was like, oh yeah, seems kind of all right. But I wasn't that interested. Anyway, flash forward to the podcast days. And now obviously we've played through all of them up until this point and uh, of release order so still haven't played metal gear solid 5 yet but when it comes to metal gear rising i had actually bought it like seven plus years ago because i used to try and get as many cheap games as i could off of this website that would just like heavily discount things and it was like 12 bucks maybe and i was like sweet this looks great and i did love bayonetta back in the day and i was a huge huge fan of that And I was aware that Platinum had done it, but for whatever reason, even just owning the game, it never really made me want to play it. So it's, it's almost like there's this weird, it was wearing a weird cloak of invisibility or something where like everyone at the time of release 
never noticed that it was there until you know they they finally woken up and realized oh shit metal gear rising is a game and it's actually pretty good so yeah i dabbled in it like two or three years ago i started it and i was going to do like a, a trophy hunting thing but one of the trophies was that you have to like listen to every single codec conversation and i burnt myself out on it on like the first hour by just <laughs> you know repeatedly listening to codec conversations like all right i'll come back to this some other time and then yeah uh podcast was happening and then i knew that we we're going to get it to it eventually so i put it off until uh last week or the week before and now i finished it so pretty much all of us are just just getting this fresh and putting yeah. fresh eyes on this like so there's no nostalgia here which that, i think that's really good like we're going to be able to really talk about how this game holds up in in current year as this, this game is being published but it's also unusual it is also unusual like no one really has a ton of nostalgia for it. that's great i say usually or there's not. at least there's at least one of us that is just like hardcore standing for whatever game we're talking about and then they yeah. feel just real defeated by the time we get done with the episode <laughs> It still might be the case. <laughs> hey, everyone, it's 2013 on the Retro Hangover podcast. Just want everyone to know it's it's two years before we started this, which is scary to think about. Um, <laughs> uh, but let's let's get into the, the story's plot, because we've alluded a lot to this game just being absolutely and horrendously stupid. And that's probably overselling it a little too much, a little bit. But the, the basis of this plot is you're starting out in no-name country, Africa. They're they're doing well. And Raiden is part of a group. And this is after Metal Gear Solid 4. But you can't really, you can't really, really tell. You need to play Metal Gear Solid 4 in order to know a lot of this stuff too, by the way. But they're trying to protect this leader. The leader gets kidnapped. You go to save him. He dies. You fight some people that are part of a group called Desperado. You get your ass kicked. And now... You're, you're on your way to try and essentially get revengeance on these people because they're extracting the brains out of homeless street children. Is that pretty much accurate? Uh, well, not, yeah. not only that, but they're also taking all the extraneous body parts from said children and selling them on the black market for extra cash. Just, just in case you weren't sure that these people were in fact evil. Well, what else would you do with them? I mean, you got to be efficient. I mean, if they're just I mean, taking the true. brains out. Just, I mean, they're just sitting around doing nothing. It's fun to burn them. You're I mean, leaving make money literally on the table. <laughs> they are literally on the table. <laughs> I like chicken nuggets. McDonald's is making a killing. But, uh... <laughs> what? what? Are, you, are you implying that these are somehow connected? Are, are my nuggies homeless street children? That's what Look, I, man, I don't it. want you to live with guilt. <laughs> Off cuts. Pure, pure white meat. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. Not, not from where they're sourcing those gifts. <laughs> 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 oh wow. Okay, this got dark. I, that was dark meat. I, I just, I just thought about that after I said it. I was like, nope. I've, I made it worse. I made it worse. <laughs> oh god. But aside from that, there's, there's some great characters here. You have uh, Jetstream Sam, who is kind of your nemesis. He's the guy who kicks your ass in the beginning. You have the Sundowner, who's a big, big, thick country boy, mm -hmm. who is, yeah, he's there, and he wants to beat your ass. You have Senator Armstrong, who steals the show, and you have a bunch of other enemies that, that quickly make their debut and exit after you just absolutely slices them to pieces in addition to your team that i can't remember any of them because other than blade wolf they're generally 
not very memorable in my opinion. But I mean, we'll, we'll st- I think Monsoon's pretty memorable, but well, he's an enemy. I'm talking about your team. Oh, oh, oh okay. Courtney, she has memes. She sure does. Hey guys, it's Courtney. I'm here for support. <laughs> that's that's that's, a, that's that's really good. Um, <laughs> she's the best character. <laughs> is she? No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there are two reasons I can think of why. <laughs> Uh, this is great that this is coming like right <laughs> off the heels of our very, you know, positive top female protagonists. That's it's okay. No one listened to that. We're just we're just balancing <laughs> things out, I guess. Balancing things. Yes, we are. Yeah, so anyway. let's jiggle over to Adam and see what his thoughts are on this plot. Speaking of Courtney, uh, what what do you think overall of this this game's plot? I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I really enjoyed it, actually. So I know you guys are about to shit on it. So let me build it up before you knock it down. Okay. Um, (laughs) But I liked it quite a lot. I thought as far as like Metal Gear Solid stories are concerned, it's not the most convoluted out there. And it was pretty simple and easy to understand. There was no like big sweeping ridiculous plot twists and stuff about, uh, you know, this character is secretly this other character's second nephew's brother's doctor's gynecologist or something. You know, like it's not these weird connections through all these different characters. It's just very simple and easy to understand. And it was a good, it was like a piece of bread that is transporting the delicious sauce into your mouth or the dip or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the Vegemite. dip is the gameplay. Yeah, actually Vegemite is disgusting. I hate that. <laughs> but <laughs> no, yeah, I thought all the characters were really interesting. Most of them, especially Courtney, who coincidentally actually looks like a complete copy paste of that blonde chick from Dead Rising, I think. Unless I'm completely misremembering it. There are parts in this game as well that had a, a massive like cyberpunky feel to it and made me like flashback to Ghost in the Shell, like particularly the brain casings and stuff. I was like, this is very like 90s cyberpunk anime, but given like a facelift. So yeah, I liked it. How about yourself, Shane? Yeah, I, I think for the most part, I actually tend to agree. I mean, it's ridiculous, um, but that's kind of why I like it. I, I think the fact that it's not, it's not, it doesn't seem to be very self-serious like i think it's very much aware of what it is and and embracing that i think makes it that much better i will say there are some a few points where i it's crossed a line a little bit to i felt like maybe it was a little less self-aware and more try hard like it got a little cringy in a few spots but for the most part i actually i actually really enjoyed it i think adam's right like it's especially when you're talking in relation to the the more mainline Metal Gear series, from what I understand based on, you know, what I've read or what people have told me, because I obviously haven't played the other ones, this is definitely a lot more, for no pun intended, but cut and dry, in that it's very easy to follow. There's still a lot of, like, just totally bananas things going on, and completely over-the-top personalities and all that, but there's nothing that kind of just at least in my opinion, there wasn't really anything that just had me kind of sitting there going like, I have no idea what anybody's talking about. It's it's like a, I can, I can liken it to like a really good B action movie, like a B tier action movie. That's kind of what I feel it is. It's like just schlocky enough to not make it into like 
triple A territory, but like polished enough that like it, it's it's like it's like a standout amongst the uh, the other like grindhouse films. Let's say you know I I disagree with you because I feel like this is a Michael Bay movie and Michael Bay makes triple A movies as we all know. <laughs> So, and, and the plot is probably actually a little bit deeper than a Michael Bay movie. So maybe I should recant that slightly. No, I, I absolutely loved the plot here because it's, it's like, it's a Kojima plot from the Metal Gear Solid game, but taking the piss out of itself. Mm-hmm. It's, it realizes the absurdities that Kojima kind of goes to in all of the plot lines. And it very much exploits that and takes advantage of it without making it completely feel out of place. And there are a lot of things in this this game that yeah, it does it does make some cultural commentary. You know, Kojima does that a lot and I would have to think that Kojima was involved in the writing the original script and they probably kept a lot of those feelings of the original script in the one that they rewrote. So this, you know, through and through, this is a Kojima game. It has all that craziness. Even when you look at a lot of your enemies a lot of your antagonists you know sundowner just dream sam and uh senator armstrong like these are all antagonists that will will try to make you see that shade of gray that the metal gear solid games do and you could argue that a lot for for some of them uh just dream sam not so much he's just kind of you know trying to make raiden you know wake up so to speak but everyone else is kind of like, I, I miss these old days when, you know, mercenaries could be mercenaries. Of course, you know, you do not want them to win because they are proposing horrible solutions. But there's a reason why the Senator Armstrong fight right before you to go to the final battle is so memeable is because it it hits on a lot of points that are are quite prescient. And I think that's absolutely hilarious and and is on target a little too much than it needs to be for, for so many reasons. I think that that makes Senator Armstrong a fantastic character in 2013. I'm not sure if it would, would resonate as much because it was just a different time. But I mean, you flash forward a couple of years is like, Oh, 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 um, okay. Uh, all right. I, I kind of see what this dude is saying. He's still insane because he's proposing a, a Mad Max kind of Machiavellian, you know, anarcho-capitalist world Darwinist where society yeah <laughs> yeah where you know we're just it's fist of the north star all day every day and let's roll for it uh if you haven't seen fist of the north star just everyone is just it's, it's ruled by thugs who just might maze right and they all kill people until ken shiro shows up and becomes the badass that frees people anyway we're not talking about fist of the north star but that's that's what the essentially the main antagonist is is trying to push but he does it in such a way that's appealing, like, oh, fuck internet culture and fuck the media and America's rotten. You're like, oh, OK, like what you talking about, dude? Let him like as the kids say, let him cook. And then when you really think about it, you're like, no. And he does say make America great again, which is it's 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 weirdly uh, awesome. I would have to say uh-huh. it's weirdly awesome. <laughs> it's like uncomfortably awesome. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because this was three years before any of that. I was gonna say you you don't want to like it now, but you you kind of you kind of still do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that Simpsons thing where they predicted the future a bunch of times by accident. Right. Well, I mean, you know, 
when you've got like 30 seasons or something, you're bound to get some things right. Yeah. <laughs> think. So overall, like I, I just love the plot. I love the writing. I love the direction. I, I love that it's a Michael Bay film with ninjas. Was it, there's this one scene in that game where they all have guns and then they're like, we are going to, oh, we've been authorized to take you out. So they put their guns down and they take out batons <laughs> to fight you. And that's the kind of game this is. If you want any idea of how amazing, how amazing the writing is. It's just like, this is not, this is happening. Let's, let's go. Let's go. I, I love it. I'm surprised. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to defend this uh, against you two. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it as far as like the plot and the writing is concerned. One thing I do want to add though is I actually really, really like what they did with Raiden's character in this, uh, especially when you compare it to how he was in Metal Gear Solid 4, who was kind of like a whiny little baby kind of. So having him just be this kick-ass fucking crazy like if you look at him he looks like a fucking villain but he's not and it's just cool to have like Raiden be a cool character like a cool fucking cyborg ninja not crying about his wife and his kid or something or whatever it is that he was doing in Metal Gear Solid 4 they're but not even mentioned he no, mentions Rose once yeah oh okay yeah and as soon as he mentioned her I was like oh fuck that bitch <laughs> uh, <laughs> Raiden as a character in this, I, I really dug it. And I kind of don't understand like how a lot of people, at least from the brief sort of research and general hubbub I've seen, consider this to be like a really edgy game. Like, I don't think it's that edgy. Like, he's not like, edgy. yeah, he's not like emo or anything. He's just like f vicious uh, and it's cool. Uh, I don't on. know. <laughs> That's okay. So, you know, a few moments ago when I was talking about how it, it borderlines cringe on a couple yeah. occasions, it, this, listen, this game rides that like edgelord line real close, like real close. And for the most part, it doesn't cross over it, but that, that moment, actually, I think it's when he's fighting monsoon and he's like, uh, basically like, uh, now I got to go all out. Like you're, you're going to see Jack the Ripper. It's time. And I'm just like, okay, this, this is, this is a bit much. Jack's like that, back, uh, baby. Yeah. Yes. That line, that line. It's <laughs> like, Jack is back. And I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> but it has, it has character context. Cause that it was It has like his... context, but the delivery of it is like <laughs> okay. a 13 year old in a corn t-shirt. Like it's, <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, I'll give you that. But I, a little part of me was transported back to being that 13-year-old in a corn t-shirt. <laughs> I, mean, and I, I don't was like, have a lot of room to talk, but you know. Yeah. But I was like, I, I love this. This is like, this is so teenage me. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so it was Edge Lordy. So there it is. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll say it, it wasn't Edge Lordy until the monsoon fight. Yeah. 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 And even then, there's not a lot of real, all the exposition from there with, with Raiden. And yeah, Raiden does become a total edgelord after that fight. But most of the plot exposition you're getting from that is not coming from Raiden. It's coming from his antagonist. It's coming from Sam. It's coming from Blade Wolf, who's your partner, who's mm. your partner, if you want to call it that. It's coming from Sundowner. It's coming from uh, Courtney. No, um, it's coming from <laughs> Senator Armstrong. So like the edgelordiness is, is really toned down, even though he just 
puts it in overdrive. And that's about halfway, a little bit more than halfway through the game anyway. So I, I completely see what Adam's saying, but I, I do disagree with Adam here that <laughs> even though I just agreed with him earlier, uh, <laughs> Great. at that point, Raiden becomes a super edgelord, but that's also adorable. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's just my, my threshold of like edginess is a lot higher or lower. Uh, it's, your, your, your tolerance is higher. Let's put yes. Yeah, yeah. Higher that's tolerance. it. Yeah. Speaking of tolerance, I'm trying to make this a segue and I'm failing miserably, but let's talk about the gameplay here and how well mm. we, we tolerated this as a platinum experience, which by and large is usually very hit or kind of miss. I'm going to start out with Shane here. Shane, Shane, what did you think of the gameplay? So overall, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it i think the game controls beautifully running especially with with the the i don't remember what they call it now maybe one of you can help me but the 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 run mode where you ninja basically run. just what's that ninja sprint or ninja run yeah ah right yeah like the 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 the, the naruto run yeah <laughs> um so that is great because that's just like sort of auto traversal sort of like Assassin's Creed a little bit. But I really liked that. I think the combat for the most part is great. I will say, and this has nothing to do with the game, I don't think. I think it's largely just me. I almost immediately regretted not turning on easy auto-parry mode when it asked me to because I suck at that, as it turns out. Hmm. And a lot of these encounters were probably needlessly difficult because I don't think I successfully parried like at all i just got my ass handed to me and i relied on like the healing items and using em grenades to stun people because i was just the worst at the parries interesting and you're you're the dark souls dude i thought yeah i don't ever parry in dark souls that's what i don't i don't (laughs) like that gameplay that's why i never finished bloodborne because it's built around that and i i don't like it i'd rather i'd rather take the sword and board approach or or dodging dodging or blocking but parrying i i hate parrying mm. yeah um i'm i would like to also say i am the dark souls bloodborne person as well and i 100 percent agree i hate parrying in those games wow really <laughs> okay yeah well i guess that, that's a good segue into you here adam what did you think of the gameplay were, were you hating um, on the parrying uh yes i i actually really really struggled what? especially in the like the first couple of chapters i could not parry to save my life and mm-hmm. i think that's because i'm so used to having like a single button prompt uh, a single button command to actually do a parry or or a block or whatever and parry is your block parry is your block yes. and your dodge and everything to avoid taking damage and you have to like push the joystick and press the attack button at the same time to do it so it just felt really unintuitive for me personally but when I finally did get the hang of it, which was like halfway through the game, I actually did get good. I, I got good, like Dark Souls. And yeah, I mean, I struggled in other areas as well, but I once I got good, I enjoyed it like significantly more. And that's why I played it more than once is because I felt like that first time was kind of like a practice run. And the game is so short anyway that, you know, I might as well try it again and get some better rankings and chapter rankings and stuff, some S ranks or whatever. But the other thing in terms of gameplay that I sort of struggled with was that I had like a massive amount of muscle memory for Bayonetta that I couldn't shake off either. 
Interesting. Like, yeah. So I used to be like pro Bayonetta. Like I, I would be like top of the world. You know, I was very good at it. I was very, very good at that game. And I got like all the platinum little gem thingies and all of the, the levels and stuff and maxed it out, got the fucking platinum trophy, the 100% achievements, all that sort of stuff. You rely so heavily on dodge in that game that I really, really struggled in this one because there is no dodge except for mm-hmm. one sort of attack that you get, which is called offensive defense, which is like a- You have to buy a it slash of, Yeah. Yeah, it's not a default thing. So you have to like- buy it and then it's like a, a sword slash and then ride and jumps backwards a little bit and that's considered your dodge that to me is not good enough for a dodge i wanted like a proper bayonetta do a fucking backwards cartwheel thing dodge out of the way and then start attacking that's the gameplay style that i prefer so i really struggled with that but eventually when i got the hang of it i loved it yeah i 100 percent agree on that i i completely despised the lack of like a dedicated dodge button i Mm. i struggled so hard with that because if if i could i could put up with the fact that i suck at parrying if i had had the ability to actively dodge like i could at least make up for it but that that's not really provided to you as an option and you're sort of railroaded into just learning how to parry the way the game wants you to and you don't really have much of another option that it kind of felt bad but even with that struggle I, I still, overall, I thought the the gameplay was was pretty solid, and I uh, no again no pun intended, but um, <laughs> we haven't even talked about like the the slash mechanic at all. But I actually so <laughs> I got better at that roughly halfway through the game as well because I just went like banana pants mode every time and was just like I'm gonna slash a hundred times like on every <laughs> one of the things, and then I. Like it actually, what woke me up to the fact that I shouldn't be doing that was one of my like compatriots coming over the radio on one of the missions and being like, "Yo, you didn't get a single one of those left arms I asked you for," <laughs> and it was just because I was just like going ham on every single one of the enemies, not realizing that I should actually be a lot more tactical about slashing in like the spot that's highlighted with the red to be able to pull the the stuff out to to regen but also to get those cyborg arms with the data inside of them so yeah i probably missed out on some stuff (laughs) but i got the hang of it eventually so i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna counter both of you and i'm just gonna say that i love the parry i i I thought the parry was incredibly intuitive and it, it did take me the first chapter the first chapter for me was pretty rough Especially with those with those metal gears, those little metal gears that can jump on you out of nowhere. Those the what? I think they're called geckos. geckos. Yeah, the geckos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The geckos. When the geckos landed on you, I I fucking hated it because I was like, what 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 the shit? Because normally when you got attacked, there would be some sort of indication, and the geckos didn't have that indication when they would land on you. You just had to anticipate it. So Mm. parrying them was was annoying. And it was annoying even throughout the game. Like those were the like the birds of Ninja Gaiden to Metal Gear Rising for me. <laughs> I, I could not stand it. But once I got to Blade Wolf, I understood what the game wanted from me in terms of parrying. I did like the fact that if you parried at the last moment, you attacked, even though that became somewhat of a useless tactic against some of the more games difficult enemies, specifically the last couple bosses. That didn't make sense because even if you countered attack, they would just smack you around anyway. So that became kind of counterintuitive. But the parrying itself, I 
I don't know. I don't know what it was. And uh, I also missed the dodge button just because I am used to Bayonetta from a platinum game standpoint and having a dodge button is great, especially in order to implement witch time. But but here I I didn't miss it once I knew what the game wanted. So once I got to Monsoon, I didn't struggle because well, he, I he whooped my ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I only struggled when he started throwing buildings at me and shit. Because that's when you have to go into the the free time. And I didn't have any real problems with slicing and dicing fools prior to that. But then when it asked for specific ways to cut in specific directions, and then you had to put it in combination with the camera angle in addition to how it wanted you to slice it, I, like, I could not entirely wrap my mind around that or do that quickly enough. It's probably also one of the reasons why I despise and can't play first person shooters very much it's a very similar mindset for me and just making sure like i have to be very precise and the sensitivity of the joystick and everything like that i can't i can't stand those kind of things it also was one of major difficulty for the final boss yeah it's interesting because i yeah i had no issue with that at all and when you yeah. mentioned the fps thing i'm like ah oh, that that might be it yeah no, I mean, well, also during that monsoon fight, I mean, you have unlimited energy or whatever, so you can just slash, you can just spam it, and you don't run out for those, like, sections, so. I didn't know you had unlimited energy, I just kept getting smashed at those sections. Like, yeah. at least I, I had enough healing items. I was asking if you played on easy, because on normal I thought I ran out of energy in those sections. I played I, on well, normal. I did, I did play on easy, okay. so maybe okay. that's why. But I thought that was, like, a plot thing, because, like, you get the... Like your energy bar turns red after you do the the edge lord Jack the Ripper thing, and yeah. you have unlimited energy. So I thought that was just scripted and was supposed to happen regardless, but maybe not. You might be right, actually. I I don't remember specifically, but I, I remember there are certain sections. It might not even be that fight. I'm think probably thinking about Armstrong, where I ran out of energy, where I had to slice mm. the boulders and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I think yeah that that was yeah that was the other fight. But um, Sundown you know, was that, a big I pain think, in the ass too. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that's, yeah, it is, I guess that is interesting that we kind of struggled with different parts of it. So the other thing that I wanted to mention, which I found amusing, at least for me, especially because we played this game so close to Metal Gear Solid, it, it could be because this is a much more modern game and so it's a little bit more intuitive, that, that could be part of it. But what I found really amusing, like right off the bat, is I was way more effective at actually being stealthy in this game than in Metal Gear Solid. And I feel like that's backwards. It's very backwards wow. because I thought the stealth in this game was complete shit. Really? I thought I, it was see, awful. I did way better because like you could, especially with like the 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 B button prompts, like where you could do like the, the leap off of a ledge on top of somebody and do like the insta-kill or like just walking up behind them and hitting B to do like the the instant backstab kill. Like I was way more effective at being stealthy that way in this game than doing it in in MGS. Weird. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I struggled. Yeah. Like I could do it occasionally. Whatever I did it, I was like, oh, this is a lot of fun. But it really came down to is I thought just fighting motherfuckers was a lot more fun than doing the stealth element anyway. Like, just sneaking around. Like, it got to the point where, like, yeah, crowd me. Give me, like, four or five dudes. Have them try and gangbang me here, and I'm just going to counter the shit out of them and rip their spines out because that's so cathartic and aesthetically pleasing to me that, like, stealthing up on them was just... It wasn't... First of all, it just took too long, in my opinion, and it was annoying, whereas just combat was just so much more fun. 
See, I think that might be the difference there because I struggled so much with the parrying. So yeah. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to sneak up on these motherfuckers and just stab them to death. Makes the sense. downside of that, though, is, and I think this is an oversight personally, but if you backstab any of the dudes that are highlighted to have like the, the, the data in their arm, you know, that you're supposed to collect, if you stealth kill those guys, you lose that. You don't, you straight up do not get a chance to get it at all. That blows. Again, yeah. more you're you keep getting de incentivized to stealth. Then they shouldn't have put it in there. Especially, I agree they shouldn't have. There's, there's conflicting <laughs> messages though, because like there are s multiple times in my playthrough where if I pull off a stealth kill, so like Kevin or someone else will come over the the codec and be like, "Yeah, good job, Tovarich or whatever," and like they're they're egging me on and being like, "Yeah, good job, you are a stealthy assassin man." They didn't do that when I killed like five dudes with a big a pole arm made of arms. They didn't say that. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm getting conflicting messages, Chris. That is why I will not remember their names. <laughs> you will not be remembered. Anything to add to that, Adam? Because I'm about to get into the secondary items, unless you want to start talking about that, which are also useless, in my opinion. Uh, well, I mean, I, was, I didn't really play stealth. Like, I... Likewise, I thought that the point of the game was to do combat. So I was like, oh, I don't really want to fucking sneak around. And I kind of felt like he ran too quickly to be stealthy anyway. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there was a sneak button, was there? No, that's why no. I find it strange that Chris said it was too slow because like there is no sneak. There's there's none of that. As yeah. long as you're not ninja running, you won't alert people. Like if they yeah, don't see weird. you, as long you can run right up behind them and stab them and it works just fine. Okay. I think that's probably because I'm used to, if I'm thinking of a, a stealth situation, I want to be sneaky. I don't want to just like run up behind someone. And half the time, like I'm really careless when I enter situations anyway. I'm just like, ah, run in there. Everybody can see me. And then they just all attack me anyway. So I give up <laughs> on being stealthy. And it's the same with first person shooters. I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to peek around corners and stuff. I'm just going to run into a room and hope that there aren't 10 guys aiming their guns at me Leroy and Jenkins. then run back out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all I have to add. Uh, it, uh, apparently, you can with the free blade mode that you you guys were talking about earlier. You can like cut off specific limbs and stuff like that. Yeah. Did any of you guys do that? Because I did not. Yeah. I just waited until yeah. I got the the thing to say, you know, chop them to pieces, and then that's when I would do it and rip their spine out. I never used it for any other reason. Well, their their limbs will highlight like that that really light, like pale blue color when it's vulnerable and mm -hmm. you can go into the blade mode and like chop off limbs and stuff. Yeah, I I got impatient with certain ones, especially the larger guys. So I would just attack them long enough until their limbs would highlight and then I would like lop them off at the leg so mm -hmm. they couldn't fucking come after me anymore. Are those like those big gorilla motherfuckers? Yeah, the, those guys were such a pain in the ass. They were. See, that's why you just stealth kill those guys. I, <laughs> if you, I, I could never sneak up to them. They'd always find me for some reason. I was just like, let's go. Mm. Well, you know what? Uh, Maybe at the end of the day, what we're really saying here is that that's a strength of the game, that we could approach it in different ways and still succeed. Yes. Yeah. Because the game is a lot of fun. <laughs> now, when it comes to upgrades, because you could upgrade after every level, was there anything you all focused on with your upgrades? Just the static bonuses first. Like the overall like endurance and whatever the other one was, energy. Like yeah. I prioritize those and then probably just my main sword upgrades, I think. I prioritize weapon damage and then a couple of the moves 
and then it was health and energy was kind of last. But I, I mainly focused on my main sword and the pole arm. So mm. I didn't really. I mean, I, I tested the other weapons when I when they were available, but the pole arm to me did the most like area. Uh, what am I? What's that word I'm thinking of? It's got, um, it's got that reach area of effect. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you, you can hit more people with it at once rather than mm-hmm. just focusing on a single enemy. So that was more useful for me, especially with those little fucking testicles with arms that <laughs> roll around and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <They're> annoying. <laughs> they are annoying. Yeah, Mistral, Mistral is the first real boss I think you fight, other than the Metal Gear that you fight in the beginning, which is just bonkers, where you throw that thing across the city. First of all, it's an incredibly easy fight. Second of all, I think you get the the best secondary item from her. I didn't use the size. I didn't use whatever sound downer gave me. I think I actually tried it, and it's like, this is incredibly slow. Because the polearm is is fast enough and does enough damage that, like, that was fun. Now, the other secondary weapons, like... Your RPGs, your chaff, well, your like EMP grenades, stuff like that. I understand that some of them do result in some cheap results. You can use against Monsoon, for example, to do an EMP grenade and it will keep them from like separating and being harder to hit if you want to cheese it. Yep. Other than that, if you did do that, I did not. But if you did do that, did you find any use for those uh, secondary or ancillary weapons? Mm, or you no, just avoid not using really. them? Yeah. No, that's, that's I think I might have used the anti-air missiles like once really early in the game before I realized that I can just jump up and slash the shit out of things. I think that was about it. I 100% used the homing missiles for the helicopters and stuff because they were annoying. Mm. I was like, I, I don't want to... Like by the time I ran to go and jump up and slash it, it had already moved. So I was like, fuck you. I'm just going to shoot you with this <laughs> missile thing and then call it a day. So yeah, I used those. I didn't use any grenades. I don't remember if I... I think that's it. Like I didn't use anything except for the missiles. So yeah, I guess that's, yeah. That's an interesting like segue into which suit did you guys use the most? Suit? Suit? Yeah. Which suit? You got several different suits. Did we? I didn't. You, yes. I got one suit. <laughs> what? No, there's there was... It unlocked like as soon as you get the ability to, to upgrade Raiden, you get several different suits that are unlocked. You get one that's a white version of what he's wearing where you get kitted out with like extra healing items. There's a green one where you get like extra missiles and there's a red one where you get extra grenades. And then you can also play as Grey Wolf. Did I did I have like a DLC Wait. you guys didn't have or some shit? I did not <laughs> have those options. Oh, okay. I I got had... the bougie version. I had two. I had um, sombrero. So there was the the default. Yeah, the default, the sombrero, and I did have a red one that had like um, red highlights on it or whatever. But that was it. I didn't see anything else, and I couldn't figure out how to unlock anything else. And I didn't purchase them because they got the way of getting my other upgrades. Interesting. Okay, I just assumed that those were baseline. Maybe that was part of like the because I I played this on Steam, and maybe I just got like a bundle edition or something yeah uh, so what versions did we play because I, I played on ps3 you played on steam adam what'd you play it on i played the xbox 360 version on xbox series x and it came with a very sizable upgrade which was fucking brilliant by the way <sighs> i feel like i played the worst version here i hate myself you did i did <sighs> oh oh well so i looked up 
And it looks like that the white bodysuit thing is actually a pre-order bonus of some kind. So maybe you just get that with Steam. Awesome. That must that must be what it is, yeah. Because I I definitely didn't pre-order this game. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking about uh, a lot about basic combat. We have mentioned Monsoon. I mentioned Mistral, the first boss. Let's talk about these boss encounters, Adam. Mm-hmm. Let's let's start out with you here. What what do you think of the bosses here? Because I think they're extremely memorable and they do need to be talked about. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think all of them are standouts. I think my favorite though actually is the Mistral, Mistral, Minstrel. Mistral. 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 Yeah. <laughs> or is it Mistral? Anyway. Mistral. Um, yeah, she was my favorite, even though, like you said earlier, she is ridiculously easy. I think that's probably why it was my favorite, because like mm-hmm. she has a, like a, a set sort of routine that you need to learn in order to beat her, but each time you hit a different section of the fight, it's like a new set piece and stuff. And the, just the flow of the fight itself was incredibly fun for me. There was like no frustration, 100% enjoyment, 100% over the top. And like just something about fucking, you know, attacking her and then and then slicing her polearm thing in half was super satisfying to me. And it was the first time as well where you actually have to slice a humanoid looking boss into a thousand pieces. So I was like, this is kind of brutal. And she's just there as like little little chunks of woman on the ground. And I was like, whoops, <laughs> sorry, lady. <laughs> but yeah, it was fine. <laughs> so what about yourself, Shane? What was your favorite boss fight? I mean, I'll be honest, part, part of the reason I keep bringing it up is because I, I actually, as frustrating as it was for me, I actually really enjoyed the monsoon fight. I did. Hmm. Um, I thought, again, it, it frustrated the piss out of me, but I thought it was a, a neat twist that you had a boss that specifically, basically hard counters like the one thing Raiden's good at, which is slashing the shit out of things. So that was pretty cool. Plus just like the the dynamic nature of the fight. I really enjoyed it utilized the entire arena space. I actually really liked the the sort of like subsections where you had to slice through semi trucks and fucking obelisks and giant chunks of buildings and whatever. So yeah, no, I I think that was my favorite. Plus, honestly, and I know this is not what he meant, but there's no way that I could not take it that way. Like the the fact that monsoon is all about the the memes. I was just the memes. (laughs) I, I was just like, all right, yep, this 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 game knows what it's talking about. This it knows what it's doing. The soul of the DNA, Shane. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Is that what a meme actually is? I have no fucking idea. Because I can't remember what the context of meme is in this game anymore. But I know it's not an internet meme like we thought it was. No, right. It's not. It's not a picture of a dog that you're sending to your friend and <laughs> yeah, saying no. to her. Her. Uh, it's not that. But but what yeah. what is it? I don't know. I, I mean, so a, a very quick Google search. If you're, although I like that the number one definition is in fact like a humorous image or video. But yeah. the 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 real definition of meme prior to the internet was an element of a culture or system of behavior passed from one individual to another by imitation or other non-genetic means. Interesting. Okay, next. I still don't care. Yeah, um, I, I mean that's what cool. he intended it to be, but like, there's there's no way that anybody playing this game is not going to be like, ah, he's talking about Doge. Just we just <laughs> got to make sure that the memes from Metal Gear Rising don't meet up with the mitochondria from pa- Parasite Eve, and I think we're going to be okay. Oh God, 
we'll be fine. That that should be a game. I want Parasite <laughs> Rising Gear. I yes. think that would be that would be phenomenal. Isn't that what Third Birthday was? Uh, let's not talk about Third Birthday. <laughs> I, I still need to get through that. And I think a lot of other people, and I'm not going to besmirch it. I don't know. It's supposed to be bad. It might not be. I, I have I still have to play that for Randildil. And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. I'm just waiting for name. the Discord as soon as this episode comes out. Randall's just going to yeah. tag all of us and be like, the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite boss fight was against Jetstream Sam because I feel like that's kind of a culmination fight mm-hmm. in terms of your abilities. I think Mon- Monsoon is really the real culmination fight because you do have to parry in order to make it through that alive or you're going to get just absolutely waxed. But the precision of which you can take down Sam, and that's another easy one, but it's not as easy as Mistral, but you also have to know the game's mechanics in order for that battle to be easy. If, if you don't know the game's mechanics, if, if you don't get into the more nitty gritty of it, it's going to be probably a little bit more difficult. But I think that's why I enjoyed it. It's because that that one thing I finally am good at that apparently you two aren't, which is parrying. I was like, I'm good at this. I'm <laughs> I'm having a good time with this. And that's that's the crux of of the Sam fight. And just because there is it feels like there's more to Sam than that they really lead on. And I, I really feel like he's underdeveloped and that's kind of a victim of the plot overall. But I did really enjoy that fight. Uh, the Armstrong fight was just good for the dialogue, of course. Uh, overall i thought that fight was kind of weak and when you get to him himself it becomes extraordinarily cheap for a bit once you know what to do it's not that bad but it it kind of throws things at you that i don't want to say you haven't seen before because you pretty much have but it just it, it 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 feels like the difficulty ramps up way more on that fight than at any other part as, as good of a fight as that is. And I'm more specifically talking about the very final form of Senator Armstrong at the very end of the game, the very, very final boss, the difficulty curve almost becomes a cliff. And that's saying a lot because I think that also happens with the monsoon fight, which is enjoyable, which I did love. And I think you saying Mistral being a good fight. That was also a really good fight. That was, that was a confidence builder Mm. because that is a fight where like all your little testicle hand people, will be dropping health all over the place. So even if you're, you know, faltering a little bit, you're not going to completely self-destruct. So great boss fight with Mistral. But I think overall, even even the one with Sundonor, which I think is kind of forgettable, I think it gets better in the second half. But for the most part, I think the Sundonor fight is kind of lame. Aside from that, like they're all really, really good boss fights. And they all are a showcase of just exposing how much you have learned. They're 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 very much a benchmark for what the player has experienced and learned up to that point. And Platinum Games is really good at it when it wants to be. And I think that's a showcase. Yeah, for sure. I, I would also just like to shout out Jetstream Sam as my my runner up. I just not it's not even so much for the fight itself, although I do think that that was really well orchestrated, like the fact that mm-hmm. you're basically supposed to lose. But honestly, it's just his character. Like he's such a smarmy motherfucker. But like I just. <laughs> He does it so well. I agreed. And he's one of those, yeah, he's technically a bad guy, but I like him because he's a bad boy. Uh, And he's he's noble. (laughs) It's not the kind of guy you take home to mom. He's going to cut my arm off and then spank me with it. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, just on the the, uh, 
the last boss fight, I was very happy how generous they were with the checkpoints, by the way. So like as long I as you agree. can yeah. Yeah, like as long as you can make it past a certain point in the fight, you don't have to start the entire thing from the beginning again. As long as you've like reached that checkpoint, then if you die, whatever, fine. You get a second chance. Yeah, it's probably going to be tough and whatever, but at least you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning and try again. Yeah, that's the game as a whole, I would actually say. Too. Yeah. On that note though, like it was kind of funny because the checkpoints are so frequent that you don't even realize that you have the option to use your codec to save the game with Courtney and she's like your save person. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I only used her once to farm uh, nano paste and stuff because you can manually save with her and then whatever amount of nano paste that you have up to that point stays in your inventory, but then you can go and start a different chapter with that nano paste. Hmm. I did not know that. Also, I, yeah. I'm surprised that neither one of you like realize that I'm pretty sure that she says it like right at the beginning of the game. Yeah, I, I was too distracted by by two big problems with her. <laughs> right, right, true. Yeah. yeah. Again, this might have also just because we came like hot off the heels of MGS, where I just kind of assumed that that functionality was going to be similar. Yeah, I thought it was more of a platinum games. I didn't even assume. Like, yeah. I just thought they were thrown. Well, as soon as I saw the codec, I was like, uh, okay, I feel like I know what I'm expecting here. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I, I, I saw more like Bayonetta DNA in this than I did actual Metal Gear Solid. So it didn't Same even yeah. occur to me that you could do that. I mean, having said that, I think I actually manually saved with her like twice. So <laughs> Amazing. Good old Courtney. <laughs> Courtney. Courtney. Right, so I, I guess it's time to move on here and, and proceed with the episode. Graphically. What did you all think of how this game looks? I will start out with you, Shane. How do you how do you feel about the game's visuals? I mean, I think it looks great. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have too much more to say on that. I will say that it it does a really good job of establishing its tone right off the get. Like as soon as you fire it up and you get past the you know like eight logos or whatever the hell, but the the title screen. It does not fuck around. It's just like, here's here's Raiden. He's a cyborg ninja. Check out this sweet, like, electrified sword. There's, like, thunder and shit going on. Like, you know what this game's about. And and it looks really good. I was trying to think if there was anything I could really find to fault it from its, like, graphical presentation, but I I really can't. I, I There was nothing that I came across where I was just like, ooh, that could have been done better. I, I thought all of the little like flourishes were done really well. I think it was Adam that mentioned a little while back about the sort of like cyberpunky aesthetic in some parts, and I definitely picked up on that and, and appreciated that for sure. Yeah, man, I don't know. It's a good-looking game, but I kind of expected that coming from from Platinum and, and that Bayonetta DNA because Bayonetta looks real good too. I mean, the game looks fine also. Yeah. And I'll I'll agree with a lot of that. I'll agree with most of that. I played on the PS3, so I didn't get the upgrades that either of you two did on Steam, which of course is going to be dependent on your PC or mm-hmm. the Xbox Series X with the upgrade, which looking back at it, I don't know why I own the PS3 version now, considering I own an Xbox Series X. That makes no sense. Playing on a PS3, it looks fantastic, looks beautiful. It's a PS3 game. Uh, whatever that might mean like you could tell us a ps3 game you can tell us a couple generations back if you've been playing anything more recent but that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's bad looking just because 
like law of diminishing returns over the past decade or so since they went to the HD era. It's it, like things still look good from then. Yeah. So I, I I have no issues with that. Everything. The, the thing I will say mostly about graphics is that it always moves as fast as it does with no slowdown. Frame rate is stable. All the character models look fantastic and over the top with, you know, in and of themselves. And I, I love that. It just matches the entire environment and atmosphere and setting. And I have absolutely zero complaints about this game's graphical presentation. What about yourself, Adam? I have a complaint. Um, okay. Uh, and I want to speak to the manager, but the <laughs> the complaint is... Well, I said hair is not cut Karen. correctly for that. Yeah. God. <laughs> actually, let me start with the positive first. It looks amazing. The, mm-hmm. the upgrade on Xbox Series X is... Like it literally makes it look like a modern day game or, you know, very, very close to it. If not a last generation like Xbox One, it's like a, it's like that generational step up. But the thing in that upgrade that got neglected, though, was some of the cutscenes. So for whatever reason, they can't like scale up into high def, you know, the pre-rendered cutscenes and stuff. So there's like a sort of level of, of blurriness and pixelation that if you mm-hmm. look close enough, you'll notice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's my complaint, but it's very minor. Other than that, holy shit, man, the graphics are really good. And I really, really love all of the designs of all of the characters, uh, at least all the cybernetic ones. All of the bosses look fucking sick. Raiden looks fucking sick. His suit looks sick. I even love his ninja high heels that he uses to (laughs) do leg attacks. (laughs) It's for hooking on to swords. It's functional. I call him his ninja stilettos and he does a very good job with them. <laughs> I don't know if that was actually in... Oh, no, actually, I think it was. I think it was in Metal Gear Solid 4. He did that as well. But I like to think that that's his little homage to Bayonetta using his feet to attack things. But beautiful to look at. Loved it. I think that really gets to the point for the, for the graphics here. I think we can move on because we're oh, like, yeah, it's good. No, we can't. Oh. No, we can't because there's one thing that I want to bring up that I don't know if either of you noticed and I'm sure there's a reason for it other than just Kojima being Kojima. But what what is what is the deal with the like random nude Japanese women posters? Uh, It's Kojima. (laughs) Okay, that's that's kind of what I figured. But like in a couple of the city levels. I go back and play it. Yeah, in a couple of the city levels, there are like pinup posters stuck on the building walls it's it's just one in each level and they're all of the the naughty bits are covered with yellow caution tape oh that's right <laughs> and i have awesome. no I, I didn't know if there was some secret because like if you go into um like your your ar mode right that will highlight things that you can break or interact with you know they get kind of that blue fuzzy digital fuzz on it and those posters have that. So I was like, okay, is this just an oversight? Can I can I like cut these down? Can I interact with them? And you can't. So then I started thinking like, is this some sort of weird Easter egg that I'm supposed to figure out? And I didn't figure it out and I didn't look it up. So I don't know if it is. I'll probably look it up later. But I, I was just curious if either of you noticed that those were <laughs> just randomly pre- placed around. Yeah. I didn't even notice them. I did see it. I just didn't pay it any mind. <laughs> but if you're asking why it's there even though he wasn't directly related to the game it's kojima just blame kojima that's that's fair they breathe through their skin chris they indeed they do 
breathing through your skin bonding i, I breathe through my penis <laughs> sorry makes a gasping sound <laughs> but it's a really small orifice for breath so it's like <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it whistles sorry <laughs> chris is like god damn it i just want to move Jesus. on I I know we're going to focus on to the to the sound direction here, but one thing I forgot to ask in the plot and writing, Adam, because I know you hated Sunny and Metal Gear Solid Four oh. because the the she couldn't even make eggs. Did she yeah. redeem herself? She did. She okay. actually became a character, even though she only has like thirty seconds of screen time. She's there and she's adorable, and I liked her. She wasn't annoying whatsoever. So it was really good to see Sunny come back. Okay, I just wanted that in the episode because you yeah. hated on her so much in Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> Deservedly so. But yeah. I, I also think that she redeemed herself. So yeah. that. Sunny got her groove back. Yeah, and she found herself a little Brazilian boyfriend. <laughs> she did, yes. Or is he or, uh, Rastafari Gianin. or something? He's Guianan uh, or Guyanan. How do you say it? It's French, so it has to be Guyanan, right? G-Y-E is Guy. Isn't that a made-up place? <laughs> No, it's a real, Guiana is a real place. No, yeah. <laughs> French Guyana. Yes, it's not so Guyana. It's like, it's like I'm pretty Haiti, sure right? it's. I'm pretty sure it's Guyana. Oh, stupid French! They can't keep anything consistent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that kid language. was annoying. By the way, I completely forgot to mention him before, but fuck that guy <laughs> it was. It was so I confusing could, too because yeah. there's two levels of subtitles under what he's saying. I didn't. I don't know. I actually, I actually kind of liked that that they oh. went that far for it to be that accurate fair enough I, i'm just not fast enough at reading to read the same sentence twice in two separate um versions of it i guess it's fair it's fair which actually segues well into the sound direction because but he says uh i guess do a voice acting uh so I, i'll start out with the with the music sound here first of all can i say like the soundtrack fucking slaps it is, and as I, the kids say, fire ooh. AF. It's so fucking good. I, I listen to this while I work out sometimes. Just play the soundtrack, the vocal soundtracks. and <laughs> you Just imagine yourself leaping from missile to missile. I, I've listened to some of the lyrics, too. They're incredibly corny, and I love it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's motivating. It, like, pumps me up. It puts me in some mental paradise where I'm the hero, and that's completely healthy, and I love it. And I will not ever... Not say I don't love the soundtrack here. Uh, the voice acting too is fantastic because also it sounds like all the voice actors are in on it. They've been directed to be in on that. This is a, an incredibly cheesy over the top spectacle of a Michael Bay game. And I, I a hundred percent appreciate that. Like there is Senator Armstrong is trying to be a serious character, but at the same time, like he's not a serious character, but it's delivered perfectly. And so is every other character. So sound and that aspect is great. Um, music is great. I, I'm not playing with surround sound or real stereo shit. So I'm just going to assume that like everything is is good there because the sounds didn't bother me. Uh, sound, as far as I'm concerned, sound is doing everything it needs to do. I'm not going to call it perfect because I don't fucking know what perfect is. But it's it's fine by me. So Adam, dude, what, what's your thoughts here? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. The soundtrack wasn't any... Sonic Adventure 2 soundtrack. So, you know. Yeah, uh, sure. I didn't have Escape from I the City. So I was just going to say, I love that that was your comparison because that is literally the thing I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I think of 
hardcore cock rock and I think of Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> um, Shadow and his giant meat magnet. Yeah. That's right. His uh, unnecessary no. gun and motorcycle. It's exactly. a euphemism. But yeah, no, the soundtrack was really, really good. Uh, it's not typically the kind of music that I'd listen to anymore at my advanced age. But if I was a teenager, this would be right up there with exactly what I'd be listening to, along with like fucking hardcore, edgy teen prog rock or something fucking probably disturbed or a perfect circle or something. I don't know. You know what? I don't want to derail this conversation, but the fact that you said prog rock and disturbed in the same breath, <laughs> I, what the fuck? <laughs> well, the thing is, I never really knew what the genre was anyway back then because I was a poser <laughs> and I still am a poser. I'll accept but, perfect circle. That's fine. But disturbed? Okay. My God. What, what's the genre for that then? It wasn't like new metal. They're all disturbed, oh. corn, limp biscuit, static X, all that, all new metal. That's what that is. I say this is new metal. Prop. This is new metal. This is epic butt rock. This isn't new metal. This okay. is like I'll take epic butt rock. I'll take yeah, that. Yeah. I love it. Okay. That's this why is... I love it. That's why I love it. <laughs> it's epic butt prolapse rosebud rock. There you go. And yeah, yeah, it's good. I like it. I probably am not going to listen to it in my free time, but I enjoyed it and it made me think about the old days when I was a kid and I pose a kid listening to prog rock or not so prog rock. <laughs> and uh, What I thought was prog rock. Yeah, back in my day, prog rock was something completely different. Now prog rock has changed. And what's, <laughs> now what prog rock is, is scary and confusing. Scary. <laughs> yeah. It's the kids that are wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But voice acting I thought was really good. I love the how fucking... Uh, Raiden has turned into Snake now with his graveliness. He's like, uh, it's time for Jack the Ripper. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And I also like that it's probably because he's missing his lower jaw. So I like to think that's why he's a bit raspy. Um, he wasn't yeah. that raspy up until that point, And he still was missing his lower jaw. It was gradual. Yeah. Oh. Okay. He, he, he become acclimated to it. That's the yeah. end of this. Right. He's this finding is, yeah. his true voice. He was catching a cold the whole way through. And then he just happened to get a lurgy (laughs) when he transforms into Jack the Ripper. So, Of course. Yeah. yeah. I liked that the new direction of his uh, performance, I think, um, especially compared to what he used to be being sort of whiny and a crybaby. But yeah, all the voice actors I thought did a really good job. Even that really annoying Rastafarian kid. And you're really (laughs) saying Metal Gear Solid 2 to me with that description of Raiden. I just want to let you know that. Yeah, so but that's different because that's that's the start of the epic journey. He's still a whiny little bitch. Yeah, but what he becomes is so much more. And yeah, in this game, yes, yeah, but that we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah, but also Metal Gear Solid. Never mind, I'm not going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> that game is fantastic, and I love him in that, especially because he's whiny, such luscious like Meg Ryan hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's Titus. <laughs> Correct. Oh, God. (laughs) Christ. All right. Anyway. So before we wrap this episode up, we have a section that we call our Patreon pontifications. So if you want to provide a pontification to be read on this episode, all you got to do is become a Patreon at $1 a month that you can find in our link tree. So just head on over there and find out that. I'm not going to shill too much. And then join our Discord, and you will have exclusive roles there that you can provide your pontifications for an upcoming episode. 
So we will start out with Dave Jackson from the Tales from the Backlog. You heard him on our Metal Gear Solid episode. He also has an episode on his channel discussing Metal Gear Rising as well. You should go check that out. It's very good. And he says, Metal Gear Rising is my favorite Platinum Games game. And it's also my favorite Metal Gear game so far as I work my way through the series. The characters really leave an impression, especially Senator Armstrong, Sundowner, and Sam. The soundtrack unironically slaps, and the combat system really sings once you get the key mechanics down. I very rarely replay games when it's not for my podcast, but I find myself replaying Metal Gear Rising once a year or so. It's enjoyed a resurgence as source of so many memes, the DNA of the soul, so I hope this drives more people to actually play it. It absolutely rules. Thank you, Dave. All right, and uh, the only other pontification we have this time around is from the one and only Soha, who says, if you look the definition of dumb fun up in the dictionary, you will find Sundowner's face. This is a game that made me question, why didn't I play it sooner? I should have given War a chance earlier when I could, but better late than never. And that's all of our pontifications, which is quite shocking, because I thought this would be more popular for a Patreon-selected episode, but here we are, and thank you for your pontifications. Uh, if didn't you have Randall more, pick this? He did. And he didn't have a pontification. Rude. I'm sure. He, I'm sure he's been busy. I'm sure he's been busy. That's that, that unacceptable. Be I know. I I blame you. I blame. I blame you, Randale, uh, <laughs> for for your lack of participation. How dare you, Rundeal? Yeah, oh, Rindle was busy. <laughs> Rindle is is up to things. You're right. Mm. I, I I like that pronunciation with the accent <laughs> right there. It's fantastic. Rindle. <laughs> now it's time to close this thing out and discuss whether or not this game holds up today. As we have a guest, our guest will have the final word. Me and Shane will go first here. And I'll start this one off this week. Uh, if you couldn't tell, like, it does. I was coming into this episode saying it kind of does, but it's too repetitive. And it has a lot of gameplay elements from 2013 that don't really carry into today. But then I remembered... I haven't played many games since 2013 that are new. So how am I qualified <laughs> to talk on these things? I'm not. But I had a lot of fun. This game is incredibly over the top, as I've already said multiple times throughout. And if you want a game that does require some skill while simultaneously turning your brain off, that doesn't take a whole lot of commitment because you can beat this game within six hours. And it also costs less than $20 and almost any way you can find a way to play this. Yeah, this is this is a game you should definitely check out. Even if you're not in love with the Metal Gear Solid franchise or the Metal Gear franchise, whoever you want to term it, this is a game you can pick up and play. And yeah, it'll be lost in some points when it starts talking about like the Sons of the Patriots and all that kind of stuff and them going down. But whatever, that's not that important because the plot in and of itself is not something that you should be taking incredibly seriously anyway. This is here to just deliver kick-ass gameplay with cartoonishly outstanding characters that you are going to enjoy. A plot that is cartoonish, characters that are cartoonish. It's like a Michael Bay anime, and it's beautiful. So yes, this game does hold up today. It, it is 2013E-ish, I guess, is the best way I can play it with a lot. It has, it has QTEs, 
So uh, there is that. We didn't talk about it, but they are there, but they're not too intrusive, which is why I don't think we mentioned it too much. So you'll you'll get over it quickly, and they make sense. They make sense. They they, they make sense within the gameplay itself. So yeah, hundred percent. This game holds up today. Shane? Yeah, no, I I wholeheartedly agree. I went into this as I did with our Metal Gear Solid episode with some very strong preconceived notions of what MGS is, and I'm happy to report that I'm being proven wrong on on both fronts. And so there was a little trepidation, I'm not going to lie, going into this when I when I learned that the patrons chose this one, I was just like, I don't know if I give a shit about Metal Gear at all. And I was also expecting some 40 hour game that I was going to have to sink a bunch of time into. But it is it is definitely not that. And the plot is such that it can basically stand on its own. Like it, it will tie itself back to the main plot line from MGS, but it's you don't have to care about that. You can still enjoy this 100% without knowing any of that whatsoever, which I basically don't. And yeah, like like Chris said, it's just a lot of great dumb fun. It's a it's a short but sweet experience. I think it it is just as long as it needs to be. I think this type of game, and I will say that to some extent, this is a little bit of a knock on some other games in this sort of same third-person action genre, which is sometimes they tend to overstay their welcome, where the the bombastic, constant action approach just ends up burning you out eventually, and this game does not do that. It sticks around just long enough for you to, for it to be enjoyable, and then it pieces out and i think that's the perfect way to go so yeah no i 100 percent would recommend this and even and i think the fact that we didn't mention the qtes is important because i uh, i 100 would have mentioned them if they were terrible because i categorically hate qtes i think they were terrible and i'm glad that trend died but this game does it in such a way where it's not egregious and like chris said they make sense in context, they're not there just for the sake of it. Like you're not going to be mashing X to open a chest or dumb shit like that. So I think it was all very well done. And especially with, you know, the, the upgraded versions you can get on Steam or like Series X or what have you, it really does feel like a modern game. It's well worth the price of admission, in my opinion. Awesome. Thank you very much, Shane. Now, Adam, close this show out sort of with your opinion on whether or not this game holds up today it does thank you very much for having me um no he's gone i think it does (laughs) you can't see me um i yeah 100 it holds up today it is like i said earlier it really is like a modern game and i'm surprised at this point that it hasn't been remastered and re-released several times over but i assume that probably has something to do with fucking licensing agreements or whatever but you know it should be played if you have the opportunity to play it and the means to play it. And it needs a fucking sequel because I would 100% buy a Metal Gear Rising 2 and 3 and 4. And it should have been its own spin-off franchise. Like, it's solid as. And it's almost as good as Bayonetta. I think I prefer Bayonetta as far as, like, action games are concerned. But I think that's fair, yeah. Yeah, like, it easily stands on its own, though, to be its own thing. And 
if Bayonetta can do it with not very impressive sales figures, then Metal Gear Rising should have done it as well. And this should have been one of the pillar franchises that held up or holds up Platinum Games because they've been making some fucking stinker choices lately. And <laughs> you know they need to go back to, to making what they're good at, which is Metal Gear Rising, more Bayonetta's, another Nier Automata, and then they're set. They'll be fine. What was the question? Oh yeah, it, it holds up. <laughs> <laughs> Before we like really, really close it out here, I think you make a fantastic point. You said how Bayonetta sold, and I actually, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but something tells me this sold better than at least one of the Bayonetta games. Oh, for sure it would have. It sold three million units. I mean, that's, that's three platforms in Bayonetta. Well, Bayonetta 1 was on two platforms. But I'm, I can assure you that it sold better than Bayonetta 2 on the Wii U. Oh, as a Wii U yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's still the case, though, having been re-released on Switch. That's a good question. That's yeah. a really good question. That's, that is still a good point. That's still a good point. Thank you so much, Adam, for stopping by. I know it's been a long time since we've had you on on something that's not called the King of Games. And you should stop by more often. I think I do think we have you ready for something in 2024 actually so looking forward to that and maybe maybe we'll see you more often in some other means that we can't officially talk about well in in the meantime i'll talk about it because you you listeners don't know but chris and i are launching our own only fans so you can see a whole lot more of us I have, you know, he's given me some really good tips about how to wink with my butthole. I do. Okay, know I, I, I do bet he's given you some good tips. <laughs> he sure it can has. also whistle. <laughs> some some really good tips and some really low. Oh, fucking never mind. Cut that bit out. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> that one I Fuck won't. You. It's on record. <laughs> Ashton, cut that out. <laughs> he can cut it out all he wants to this time. <laughs> Damn. Anyway. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to being on another one in two more years. <laughs> it's not two years. All right, right, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, so we are, we are contractually obligated to say that we, uh, we are glad that you were here. And when <laughs> we are required to have you back, we certainly will, uh, as, as per the, the legal uh, documentation is concerned. Uh, as, as far as what you do out there on the wild internets, uh, how, how can people find you? Ah, good question. I failed to mention that, <laughs> but, I um, failed. yeah, yeah, we all failed. Um, and I thought I was going to have to get the Shane voodoo doll out again and start putting pins in it. But yeah, I'm glad that I conversation steered to a positive i mean um, i have this spot like right on my neck if you did that <laughs> i think you could really release some tension so okay it's actually an acupuncture voodoo doll so i'm doing you a favor oh thank you <laughs> all right um you can find me on the good the bad and the backlog which is my podcast uh where both of you have been a guest on at multiple points i have an old person link tree where you can find me <laughs> <laughs> linktr.ee slash goodbadbacklog and you can find me on Instagram X Twitter X thing uh, shitter the, the shitter X-I-T-T-E-R shitter shitter okay yeah and um, I have my own Patreon 
but it's probably gross to promote that, so I won't. <laughs> but if you want, just to, rolling up on other people's shows. <laughs> pay give money. me your money. Yeah, I mean, if you want, it's very cheap. It's very cheap. I have extremely cheap rates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I cater to the lowest common denominator. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think our content is good enough to pay the big bucks. So you know, just no. charge a dollar, and that's all you need. But yeah, that, that, actually, that's it. Uh, I have a Discord. Come into the Discord and have a chat because um, it's slowly starting to grow, which is nice because usually it's like a barren wasteland of old dudes talking about Australian politics and dental care. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, much like Australia itself. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of dental care and just old dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's me. So thanks again. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And as far as we are concerned, we we also have one of those boomer trees. So if you if you want to if you want to find all the things that we do beyond just this here this here main show because if you're listening to this right now then well that means you've already found us. So you you've done the hard part and then we make the rest of it easy. So you can just head over to linktree/retrohangover. It's l i n k t r . e e /retrohangover and you can find things like our Patreon, or our merch store, perhaps. Or if you want to check out our socials, you can do that. Uh, we also have our YouTube channel, where we post the video versions of these episodes, as well as the VODs from us playing things on the Twitch television, which, uh, speaking of contractual obligations, Chris is now oh. going to inform you what it is that we do over there. So as Shane said, I'm contractually obliged by the government, much like the last episode, because it's still Metal Gear. So if I don't talk about this, I'm going to get assassinated. So if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover, uh, you can watch us play video games like Wall Street Kid and American Civil War. We're not actually going to play those games. Please don't tell them. But if you head over there <laughs> at twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays, you can have a good time with us. Please, please swing by at there 9 p.m. Eastern time Sundays. Twitch.tv we'll play the the unreleased Socks the Cat Super Nintendo game. Yes. Everybody's been waiting for. Socks is the best cat, and he plays saxophone. He sure does. Like his dad. (laughs) And his father before him. Yes. All right, well, I suppose (laughs) with all of that very confusing things being said, until next time... Play with your Ripper Mode joysticks and wink that eye. here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. 
Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's bit.ly slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.